Good morning. It's a beautiful day. We're glad that you're here. It's nice to see the sun shining, and we're so grateful for the opportunity to be together today. We're thankful that you've chosen to be here. If you're, if you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. We're so grateful that you have come our way today, and we certainly want you to know how much we appreciate your presence. If you're looking for a church home, as we always say, we'd love to have you here. Very grateful for our church family, and we would love to have you as a part of our church family. We're going to be looking at John chapter 14, the passage read just a moment ago, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And in our lesson today, we're going to be talking about the theme, Home at Last. Many of you have probably had opportunity to travel, be away from home, and no doubt there have been many times when you've enjoyed your time away. But as has been said on so many occasions, there's no place like home. And I think about for those of us who belong to the family of God, we understand, as the Bible says, that we are really strangers or pilgrims here upon planet Earth. Our ultimate destination is heaven. I mean, that's where we want to go, isn't it? Home at last. To be home with God and to be home with the people of God. It's somewhat difficult for me to conceive of being in the place that we call heaven, the place that we call home. I think if you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, you'll find Paul had a strong desire to go home and be with God. I think about when he wrote to the saints in Philippi in chapter 1 of the book of Philippians. Paul would say, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. In verse 23, he would say, to depart and be with Christ is far better. Philippians chapter 3, Paul would again say that our citizenship, our commonwealth is in heaven. He said, whence we also wait. And so there was this longing, this desire to go home. You remember when he wrote his very last inspired letter to Timothy. He talked about how there was laid up for him a crown of righteousness. And so today we think about that beautiful place that we call heaven. And more specifically, to be home at last. I want us to look at a very familiar text in our study together today. I want to begin by first of all calling attention to the place called heaven is home. And I want you to listen to what the Lord Jesus had to say about this place that we call heaven and that ultimately we will call home. And as you listen to what the Lord Jesus said, I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the incomparable builder of heaven. And listen, if you would, to Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or abiding places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. 
the incomparable builder of heaven, the designer of heaven, is the Lord Himself. Do you remember in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer speaks of Abraham, those great people of faith in the long ago. And the Bible says that they looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. When we think about this place called heaven, to understand that it will be home, but to recognize that the designer of heaven is the Lord. And then I think about the distinctiveness of heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. It might be that you have the luxury today of living in what we call a custom home. And that home has been built to your specs. It has your marks on it. I mean, you've identified how you want that home, that home laid out. You have looked at it in every detail. And it has, as we would say, your DNA all over it. It's distinctive from other homes. Well, let me tell you what, when we talk about heaven, and particularly as we think about this being our eternal home, it's distinctive. There is not another home like the one that we call heaven. Stands apart, stands alone. It rises above any and every home that we might begin to talk about here on earth. And so, the incomparable builder of heaven, the designer, no doubt the Lord. The distinctiveness, one of a kind, nothing like it. You'll never see anything like this home that we call heaven here on planet earth. But then, what about the incomparable beauty of heaven? The design of heaven. You know, the Bible gives us a description of heaven. The Bible also talks about the dimensions of heaven. And we talk about the dimensions of our home, the square footage of our home. And many of us, we're proud of where we live. And as I said a moment ago, it's a distinct home. You might have a custom-built home, exclusive to you and you alone. Well, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions, many abiding places. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Revelation in chapter 21. John in the long ago said that he had been shown in verse 10 the great city, holy Jerusalem. He said, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And he said, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. She had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. And names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Down in verse 15, he said, He who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square and its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, 
and height are all equal. Some 1,500 miles in every direction, cubed as we would say. And really I think what John is saying here in the Revelation, heaven will be a very spacious place. It will be able to accommodate the redeemed of all ages, going all the way back to the patriarchs of old. We talk about those great people who lived in that period known as the patriarchal age. And then all those who lived under the Mosaic dispensation who had a relationship with God. And then the Christian age. Here's a home that's able to accommodate all people who belong to the Lord. And then note if you would, down in verse 19. Well, in verse 18 he said, The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear gold clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. Down in verse 21, he said the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. And the Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Now, John here in writing about the beauty of heaven, this incomparable place that we will one day call home, John tells us it's a beautiful place. And he uses imagery that helps us to somehow process the beauty of this place. He gives us somewhat of a description, if you please. And the dimensions of the city, and really all he's saying is that heaven is a place of incomparable beauty. You can't begin to fathom how beautiful heaven is. And let me tell you what, there are some homes that people live in today that incredible. Incredible, the design, the layout, the furnishings, and yet there is not a home on earth that can begin to rival this beautiful place called heaven. Now there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. Go back again to John 14. First, we think about the place called heaven is home. But then secondly, the people who will call heaven home. The first thing that I want you to see is that in heaven, we're going to be in the presence of God. Now I want you to imagine that for a minute. You ever seen God? You ever been face to face with deity? Well, the answer is no. As a matter of fact, Moses wrote in the long ago on behalf of God that no one is able to see his face and live. And yet we're going to be in the presence of God. The Bible speaks of the sovereign God in heaven. In Revelation chapter 22, we read of the throne of God being in that heavenly city. And so we think about the sovereign God and then the Son of God. And let me tell you what, we're going to be in the presence of the sovereign God, God the Father. We'll be in the presence of the Son of God. 
Many of us, we have spent a lot of time reading and studying about the character of God, the nature of God. And what we read about God as our Father and the intricate care and provisions that He lavishes upon us every day. And how often we've read about Jesus and here we're talking about the one that we have acknowledged as the Lord of life. The one that we have chosen to serve. We are His disciples, are we not? And we've read about Jesus. We've talked about Jesus. We've thought about Jesus. We prayed to God the Father through Jesus. We have sung about Jesus. We've sung about God. We've sung about heaven. But to think that one day we'll be in His presence. You know, there are some people that maybe you've had the opportunity to meet in this life. And based on their position in life, their standing, maybe you have been in the presence of someone very famous, well-known, an icon, as we say. Well, one day you're going to stand in the presence of the great I Am. And the Bible says, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess to God that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. One day we will all be, we will all be ushered into the presence of God. So we're going to be in the presence of God, but then secondly, we're going to be in the presence of the people of God. Can you imagine being among a sea of the redeemed? I mean, think about all the people who have ever lived and who have served and labored for, for the Lord. Go back and look at some of the great patriarchs of the past. And then look at some of the great prophets of old. You come to the New Testament and you think about some of God's greatest servants. Peter and John and Paul and Matthew and Mark. We talk about all these great laborers of God. And to think that one day we're going to be face to face with them. If I were to ask you to pick out one biblical character, one character spoken of in Scripture that you would love to be able to sit down and talk with, who would it be? You know, there are a lot of great people that have walked the face of this earth. There have been a lot of great servants of God. There are a lot of people that we read about in Scripture, no doubt. As we read about their lives, as we think about their conquest, as we look at their joys and frustrations in life, we stand in amazement. Let me tell you, it'd be special to me to have the opportunity to talk to a Joseph or a Joshua or an Esther or Job or Jeremiah. I mean, to be in the presence of the people of God. And so we think about this 
time of great rejoicing. I mean, to be at home at last, to rejoice. And then to be reunited with people that we have known and loved. You know, there are some special, special people that I've known in this life. And some of those special people are no longer with us here on planet Earth. They've gone to be in the presence of the Lord, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. They're not here any longer. And yet I know through the eye of faith that one day that I can be reunited with them. Do you remember when Abraham died? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 25 at verse 8 that he was gathered to his people. If you've lost somebody significant in your life, whether it's a friend or a family member, it might be a spouse, a grandparent, a sibling, a friend, a neighbor, a brother, a sister in Christ. Do you remember the words of David at the loss of his child? David said, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. To know that one day we can go home to be with the people that we've loved, to be with the people that we've known, to once again be in the presence of people that we have spent a lifetime getting to know. Home at last. So, heaven is an incredible place. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study, and that is the promises. You know, there are some unique promises that have been made to all who will one day call heaven home. As I think about the unique promises, the first that stands out to me is the fact that the Lord will come for us. Listen again to what Jesus said. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And then Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Now, that's a fact, isn't it? The Lord is saying, I will come for you. I'm not going to leave you, but I'll come for you. To know that one day, the Lord Jesus Christ will return for us. Now, we don't know when that's going to be. We just know that He will come for us. Paul said, in writing to people that were concerned about their loved ones who had died in Christ. He said, the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. The Lord's coming again. That's what he said to 
the apostles before he was crucified. He said, if I go away, I'll come again and receive you to myself. You know, the Bible talks a lot about the second coming of Jesus. Not only will He return for us, but the Bible tells us He will raise us. I mentioned a moment ago the people that we've known and loved who are now in eternity. There are people that we have stood at the side of their open grave and we have placed their remains in the heart of the earth. And we've done so not as people without hope, but we have done so in hope. Jesus said, Marvel not the hours coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, assured them that on the basis that Jesus had been raised from the dead, that one day we will be raised. He said, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, The dead will be raised and we shall be changed. What's a great thought, isn't it? To know that the Lord will return for us and that He will raise us and that He will reunite that inward man, that spirit with the body. That body will be transformed like unto His glorious body. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, It will not be a body composed of flesh and blood because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. This body will be clothed with immortality. This corruptible body will become an incorruptible body. So the Lord, He's going to come for us, but then there's a second thing you need to see. Not only will He come for us, but He will care for us. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now I want you to think about being in heaven one day. And we're in the presence of God, in the presence of the people of God. And God has has been the architect of this beautiful, incomparable city or home. And our every need will be supplied. Now you think about some of the needs that you have in this life. And some of the things that maybe you lack. Are there things in your life that if you you had the opportunity, you'd acquire? Sure there are. Think about some of the deficiencies of this life. And yet we serve a Lord who will not only come for us, but who will care for us. And when I think about that beautiful home that we call heaven, to step back and to, and to just remember that this place will be unlike any other because there will never again be separation. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Listen to him. Neither shall there be any more death. God will care for us in that beautiful city. And this body subjected to death and time 
this transitory life that we're in, far different. How many times have we had to say with a broken heart, goodbye. We won't say goodbye anymore over there. No, the Bible says there'll be no more death. There'll be no more separation. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more sickness. That's what he said, Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. Now think about that for a minute. It might be that your body today is racked with disease. You know, as we get older in life, we fight old age, don't we? And I think about how the body begins to wear out. We're not as strong. Our mind isn't as alert. We don't hear as well. We don't see as well. Things change so, change so quickly, and yet in that beautiful place that we'll call home, there won't be any more separations. There won't be any more sorrows. There won't be any more sickness because as John said, these former things have passed away. You know something? To be away from home for an extended period of time, to pull in the driveway and to say, home at last. Home at last. But one day, we'll say home at last for good. Don't you want to go to heaven? I mean, don't you want to go to heaven? Why would anyone not want to go to heaven? You remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the way to heaven, isn't he? And the road to heaven, it runs, runs right through him. He is the road to heaven. He is the road by which we get to heaven. So what would you need to do to have this beautiful place called heaven as your home? Well, it begins with a life of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. That is a fact. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am and where He will be is heaven. Where I am, there you cannot come. So, to be a person of faith and then to act upon that faith through obedience to repent of all your sins. As Paul said on Mars Hill, the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17, verse 34. And the reason we need to repent is because one day we're going to stand before Him and give an account of the deeds done in the life according to what we've done, whether good or bad. So to come to Jesus in faith, repentance, to confess that we believe Jesus to be the Son of the living God, to be immersed in water for the remission of all of our sins, Acts 2.38, so that our sins can be washed away, Acts 22.16, to be a part of the church of Christ, the body of Christ, to be a member of the household of God, Ephesians 5.23, and then to live faithfully until death.
And then on that great and final day, we will hear Jesus say to us individually, specifically, well done, good and faithful servant. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Home at last. Won't it be great one day to be home at last? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we encourage you to come. If you are a Christian, And you need the prayers of the church. The Bible says confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. We'd be happy to do that for you today and with you today as we stand and sing.